Welcome to Life on the Hill. If this is your first time joining us, this program is intended for Hamilton College students and the Hamilton College community to stay up to date on things that are going on around campus and to hear the voices of people committed to the success of Hamilton College students. My name is Travis Hill and I'm the host of this program. In this episode, we speak with Ben Smith, Director of the Quantitative and Symbolic Reasoning Center. Tell me your background. So I was actually a first generation college uh-huh. student. Yep. I grew up in a very yeah. I grew up in a very rural part of Washington State between Seattle and Portland. So not only first generation but also low income yep. and rural. In Washington, they have this program called Running Start, which uh-huh. allows high school juniors and seniors, if they test into college-level material, to take courses at local junior colleges uh-huh. and get college and high school credit simultaneously. Oh, cool. So at my first opportunity, I tested into that program. And yep. just by the skin of my teeth, um, got into college-level math. So literally, like if I'd gotten one point lower, I uh-huh. would not have qualified. So starting my junior year of high school, I started taking college courses full-time okay. in my local community college. Still living at home. Um, ended up doing very well. Graduated uh, with honors from the community college uh-huh. a week after I graduated high school and oh, then transferred wild. to a state school in, in the state and immediately was granted junior status. So as an 18-year-old, first-generation student, away from home for the first time, living with a bunch of other freshmen, uh-huh. but taking junior-level coursework. Yeah, so the advising program at my college was all faculty-based. There was no, you know, so it was faculty advisors, yeah. and I had a math professor who said, sure, take uh, two proof-based math courses, calculus-based physics and intro Japanese in your first semester. Yeah, my uh, academic performance crashed because sure. I didn't actually know how to study. Right. I didn't know what I was doing. Yeah. Um, in high school, like before I went to the community college, I did all of my homework in the five minutes between classes. Right. I figured out how to game the system. Right. Um, we, we didn't do uh, percentages. We did uh, letter grades, right? Yeah. And so a 94% got you an A. So I learned that a 94 was the target grade, right? Uh-huh. So it's the least amount of effort to get the highest reward. Uh, learning uh-huh. wasn't my goal. It was all just about gaming the system. Right. Um, so then you can imagine I get to uh, university and I'm taking proof-based math courses right. where, I mean, math shifts Yep. So it's not, not about computation anymore. Now it's about, you know, bigger concepts. Yep. I ended up with a 3.2 uh-huh. GPA that first semester, which is good. Yeah, that's it's solid. Good, yeah, it's totally but solid. to my parents, they were used to me getting straight right, A's. So course. that conversation was, what'd you mess up on? It's uh-huh. math. There's always one right answer. Right. So the support from home was completely gone because uh-huh. they didn't understand. They didn't know. Right. Because they didn't have experience right. with it themselves. Not, not at all. Um, so I actually ended up struggling my way through university. Um, I passed mostly, uh-huh. I, you know, there, there were a couple of fails in there, um, but ended up getting through and graduating with my bachelor's degree. I didn't know what to do with myself. I looked back on my undergraduate experience and like, well, what did I actually enjoy doing? Uh-huh. And I thought back to when I was in the junior college, um, I was uh, recommended to, to work in the math lab uh-huh. as a math tutor. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. And so um, that was the best experience that I had in all of college. It was my favorite experience. Um, was working with other students, you know, in their math courses, business math and statistics and calculus and everything in between. And so based on that, I threw myself out there on Craigslist, really, and started a private tutoring company and found out that I was still good at it Uh and built that business up. Yeah, that's great. That's great. So how did that bring you here? And how does that shape how you train your students and how you work with students? Sure. So... A lot of my approach to student learning is based on my own experience, at right. least initially, in that I've, I have failed 
academically. The, the one big class on my transcript from undergrad that I have a big solid F on was mathematical statistics, second semester. Okay. And it was because I didn't go to class. Uh-huh. I thought that the best way to impress professors was to skip class, do minimal work, show up and ace the tests. Uh, sure. But when you put all your eggs in that basket and then you miss a test, uh-huh. you fail the class. Right, right. Yeah. So initially, I focused on, so when I was doing private tutoring, when I had that company, um, my, my approach to tutoring was based on helping the student learn. Mm-hmm. Forget the formal language, forget like whatever the professor, how they talk about it. What does the student actually need to bridge between where they are to where they need to be? The, the emphasis really is on student learning, uh-huh. not on specific outcomes on how well someone performed on a test. Sure. Um, it's about student reflection, right? Uh-huh. And uh, how, the, how students think about their own learning yeah. and that process and the ability to um, become uh, self-motivated learners, you know, autodidacts, where uh-huh. they can teach themselves and you know, help work with the material themselves. Um, so I realized that that's really should be the focus of um, any sort of like tutoring or learning assistance program. Yeah. So over the last six years or so, I've worked with the, the tutors in the QSR Center to uh, reshape the way they approach working with students. So it's really focused on helping the students become better learners. Yeah. So sure, yeah, we'll work with students on their homework, but it's not just about getting to the answer. It's getting to the answer in such a way that the student can then get to the answer on their own mm-hmm. the next time. That's great. Yeah, and I'm glad you said that because for our, our fellow first gens, mm-hmm. right, yeah. the, the QSR center is in no way obvious no, as to what no, its, it's purpose is. And is it math tutoring? What's happening over uh, there? That's the one of the things we do. So but, much more than that. Right, right. No, it totally is. Um, any class with a QSR designation, yep. um, we support. So often when people hear the word tutoring, they think, oh, I'm struggling. So we're going to go to a tutor to ask for help. Again, that's not at all what we do. That's not the point. That's not the, the position that we take. Um, it's Hamilton. Everyone here is really solid academically. Sure. They, they have really strong background. It may be a different background. Yep. It may not be the exact same, but everyone's strong. Sure. Right? Everyone's capable. Mm-hmm. So our goal is to work with everyone and just help them develop what skills they have. Mm-hmm. So if you want to find a study space, Come into the QSR center. Come drop in. Like mm-hmm. you don't need to have questions. Just occupy a table. Set up yeah. shop. If you are looking for a study group, looking for people in your class, but you're a little bit shy, maybe you don't want to, you know, ask them. Come, come work. Students come in for for all classes. Mm-hmm. We put them together. We introduce people. It's not awkward. Yeah. And uh, yeah, yeah. You don't don't have to feel like you have to have an agenda or a set list of of things that you want to accomplish when you come in. Mm-hmm. I really like to think of it as. Uh, just a collaborative study space that happens to have some tutors on shift that can answer questions or work with students. Trying to avoid awkward situations is one of the biggest ways that people fail to take advantage of the opportunities that we offer. Oh, absolutely. Um, as I mentioned, I skipped a lot of class in undergrad. Um, if I was, if I thought I was going to be late to class, I would just skip that day. Mm-hmm. Or if I didn't do the reading, I would skip that day thinking, oh, I don't want to be, not realizing that I was missing so much more. Yeah. This may sound odd, but I've learned a lot about undergraduate math, like, you know, the calculus sequence. After I graduated, once I started tutoring, once I started working with students, I relearned a lot of the things that I I think I missed um, from class. So that's why I just encourage everyone, go to class. Don't be afraid to talk to professors. Talk to tutors. Ask questions. No matter how silly you think the question might be, they're all important. Mm -hmm. One of the pieces that I think is sometimes hard to understand that... 
I want to help students be able to take better advantage of is the recognition that some of the learning that we do is generally universal and some ways to be successful is about understanding an individual faculty member and what they're specifically looking for. Sure. Can you speak to that? This, this, this whole college system, this college process, not in any way obvious. This is very different. I right. mean, again, as someone who came from a background and from a family where I was the first person on either side of my family to go to college. One of the things that's important to remember is that all of your faculty are people too. Mm-hmm. Right. So we have this general structure. We have classes. You know, you're given a syllabus the first day of class. Um, but that's really the, the faculty member's way of communicating with you what their expectations are. Um, but each individual is going to have a slightly different spin. Right. We're going to have a slightly different approach or slightly different perspective. And so just because you've taken one math class doesn't mean that's how it's going to be in every math class. Right. Or just because you, you experience something in your first semester that that's how everything's going to be moving forward. So it's really on you as the student to reach out to that faculty member, talk to them, engage with that syllabus, mm-hmm. pay attention to the language um, that they use, and figure out what it is that that professor is looking for from you. So then there's an additional piece, right, that, that's beyond the the checkbox, you know, checklist expectations, and that's the, the metacognitive piece, or so that metacognition, thinking about thinking, right, it's sort right. of a, a bigger, like, reflection component. Um, why? Is the professor asking you to do things in a certain way mm-hmm. so don't don't just try and check the boxes but try and think about why might they be asking you mm-hmm. to approach a problem or approach learning in that particular way because once you start thinking about it that way bigger picture then you start to to put some pieces together and then you have less anxiety right. you have less worry and you, you you approach better understanding for how you can approach all your classes right and if it's not clear to you after you spent time <laughs> right. thinking about it you can always ask. Always ask. <laughs> always ask. Um, and you have a number of resources and people on campus that you can ask too, right? Mm-hmm. So um, if office hours are super busy, go to one of the academic resource centers. Right. There's the QSR Center, the Writing Center, um, the Oral Communication Center. Um, if you're in opportunity programs, go talk to the you know staff in OP. Yeah. Um, there's just a myriad of, of places. Talk to your RA. So the intention of tackling this particular topic right now is that now and in the near future is when that first wave of consistent lots of pushing and pressure from all classes starts to hit. So as you think about that, as you work with students and you watch that kind of stress level rise, do you have tips and recommendations on how they can try to tackle that in ways that are productive? Oh, yeah, absolutely. (laughs) So it's going to sound counterintuitive at first because it's going to sound like I'm I'm asking you to like add more stress to your life. But trust me. So so bear bear with me here. The biggest tip that I give students that are kind of hitting that that wall of stress and all these obligations is to actually sit down and map out your week. Mm -hmm. Build a calendar build a a typical week, put in all your obligations, put all of your classes. If you have a campus job, put that down, put study sessions. If you have tutoring already, put all that in. Um, And this is the part that gets counterintuitive. I also also ask students to put in meals, bedtime, hanging out with friends, the kinds of things that uh, if you have to watch a certain show, I know America's Got Talent is just ending, but uh, you know, if you, if you have a show like that, that you just have to watch every week, put it down, block it out. Mark it out. Don't punish yourself for, mm. for, for being human. So once you mark out all of the time that's actually filled up um, and dedicated to, to your obligations, mm-hmm. then look at what you have left. Uh-huh. That's how much free time you have. And I'm also, uh, I don't recommend that students do this for Saturday and Sunday. 
So yeah. really, it's Monday through Friday, 7 a.m. to 10 p.m. Uh-huh. And if you sleep until 9 every day, fine, mark it off till 9. Yep. I'm just saying, but keep it within the day. Keep yep. it within the work week. And just see how much free time you actually have. Mm-hmm. And then once you know how much free time you have, then you can start worrying about how to divvy up the different responsibilities. Mm-hmm. You know, And you can do that relative to based on how how challenging or how stressful something makes you feel. It's okay to use your emotions or your affect or how you feel about it to prioritize yes yeah because if you're stressed if like say you have you have more literature homework than you have calc homework but calc really stresses you out it's okay to focus on calculus Mm because if you're stressed you're not going to be as effective with the rest of it Mm -hmm. so but the big thing so this is the 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 adding more work is uh, actually map out your week yeah like schedule it see what it looks like um, too often students um, have a perception of how much free time they have, and it's not actually accurate. Yeah. Students always think, that, oh, I have no free time, but then they have whole chunks yep. during the day where they're unstructured, mm-hmm. and you end up just getting lost, staring out a window, or yep. know, just sitting in your room. YouTube, the YouTube hole, <laughs> or random articles on Wikipedia. Like, we've all been there. It yeah. happens. Um, but if you actually look at what, what time you have, then that's the best, I think, the best approach for really getting a sense of how to how to de-stress and how to reprioritize. That's good. I find myself when I have a lot going on that in the windows that are my actual free time, I am either unproductive because I'm not prioritizing things well, or I find myself seeking non-stressful situations, right. which actually is not using my time well. Right. So to that, um, actually I have a tip for that as well. Marathon studying, marathon work, not effective. Mm-hmm. Maximum an hour. Like you have 30 minutes to an hour per per study session. What I mean by that is you should go for, say, 50 minutes, maybe 25 minutes, either of those if you're doing half hour or a full hour, and then give yourself a break. Mm-hmm. Actually, take five minutes, take 10 minutes, and just go do something else unrelated to whatever you're studying. But if, you, if you're honest with yourself about that, if you give yourself a real break where you step away from the academic material, then that means for that 50 minutes you can be honest and just focus on that academic material. Mm-hmm. I know for myself, like when I sit down and I have this this daunting task ahead of me, it takes a long time to build up motivation because I don't believe that I'm going to give myself a, a rest or give uh-huh. myself a break. So you procrastinate, you drag your feet, you don't want to get into it. But if you hold yourself accountable and say, I'm only going to work for 45 minutes, 50 minutes, and then I am going to take a break, set a timer and actually do it, going to start to feel more comfortable with it. You're going to know that sitting down to, to study or do academic work, it's it's not intimidating. It's just this is a 50-minute block, and then I'm going to go do something else. What other pro tips do you have for students, just in general? If you, any life hacks that you have available? Not that might not be a cool term anymore. But. <laughs> I'm the director of the QSR Center. Cool's not my priority. <laughs> <laughs> you can edit that out if you want. Or I'll call it, that'll be the title of this episode. <laughs> <laughs> Cool is not my priority. One on one with the QSR. Um, I remember what it was to be a student. I mentioned in high school that I was always shooting for that 94 because yeah. the outcome, the A, was what I was going for. Um, you may have heard this from other places, but I can't emphasize this enough. Don't focus on the grade, don't focus on the outcome. Uh-huh. That's an assessment. That yeah. is something that's determining what level of um, how much of the material that you've mastered or that you've demonstrated uh, proficiency in. If you focus on the grade, you're usually going to miss that mark Mm. or you're going to miss something. If you focus on learning, if you focus on actually understanding and seeing what you can gain from the class, see what you can learn from the material, the grades will follow. Yeah. 
you got to find the aspect of the course, the aspect of the material that you're, that you're studying that you like, that you want to engage in, that you find interesting, that you find relevant to you. Focus on that. Let that motivate you and really try and understand and learn learn the content as much as you can. And then the, the performance, the grade aspect, the GPA, that, that, that'll fall out of it. But if you focus on the GPA as the outcome, then you're, you're going to miss something. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, Dean Martinez talks about following your passion in, yeah. in a previous episode. And, yeah, we do so many things to check boxes and to right. fill a resume and all these different pieces. And when all is said and done, if you're not left with something that you can talk about confidently and live out passionately, what's the point? Exactly. Um, you know, to, to that end, I... Uh, you know, if you were to describe my role or my, my career, I'm a professional tutor. When you're in high school and you're doing that, what job should you have when you yeah. grow up? You know, that's not an option on you that form. You didn't say that? No, no, mine came out as lawyer. <laughs> they wanted me to be an attorney, and I would not do well in a courtroom. Um, so it was only when I looked back after college on my experiences and I asked my, myself that question of, what was I passionate about? What do I care about that I, re- that I found it? And... I, I was fortunate to, to, to have asked myself that question, but I kind of wish I would have asked myself that question sooner. Mm-hmm. That way I could have directed my studies a little bit more mm-hmm. and uh, actually focused on what I cared about. Mm-hmm. Um, but it also goes to show that it's okay to focus on what you care about. Yeah. That if there if it doesn't fit into a box, that's fine. Make a new box. Yes. The, you know, the, the life hack, right? Find what you care about and then convince someone else to pay you to do it. Yes. <laughs> Absolutely. So any other things you want to get across? One last thing yeah. that I think is worth sharing. Um, too often, so this is tied into the whole being driven by high performance with grades. Uh-huh. Um, I think as a society right now, we're really afraid of failure. Yes. We, we see that failing is the ultimate sin. It's mm-hmm. the worst thing that can possibly happen. Um, I tell you now, as a successful mathematician and director of the QSR Center here on campus, I've failed. I've failed tremendously. Failure is just another word for learning. Yes. Failure is the first step on the path to success. And I know that sounds super cheesy, but it's true because you have to fail at something before you can be great at it. Mm-hmm. Right? So if you only engage in things that you're successful in, then you're not really growing. You're not pushing yourself. You're not stepping outside your comfort zone. So I want everyone that I work with to go out there and fail. Yeah. Stretch themselves. Go fail. Do it. But don't stop there, right? Yes. Once you fail, keep persisting. Find the areas that you can improve on and keep going. Keep at it. And eventually, you'll find success. And then when you find success, keep going and you'll find greater success, right? Yeah. So don't be afraid of failure. It's not going to sink you. This is coming from a professional mathematician who failed statistics. Right. Right. Who has since taught statistics at the college level. So... There's nobody you've ever looked up to or name you've ever known that is someone who just picked something up and was naturally good at it with probably a tiny amount of exception, if at all. Absolutely. Anything you want to give a plug about? Ways for people to follow your center or your adventures or anything like that? Sure. So um, QSR Center, we're open to, um, I say that it's for every QSR course on campus, but really it's it's any course or project involving any sort of quantitative or logical symbolic content. We're open six days a week, um, Sunday through Friday, Sunday from four to nine, Monday through Thursday, noon to nine, and then Friday from noon to five. Um, the you, you don't need an appointment. It's 100% free. You don't have to pay for anything. Just come in. Don't make an appointment. Just walk in. 
It's a quick sign in on the computer, find a spot, do your work, meet some people. The staff are all super friendly. I know I hired them myself. And then if, uh, if you feel like you want a little bit more personalized attention, um, we're actually just about to uh, launch this semester's appointment-based tutoring, where you can actually sign up uh, one hour a week, one-on-one, um, with a tutor for each of your QSR courses. Perfect. So. Great. Thank you so much for taking the time. I really appreciate it. Yeah, thanks for inviting me. Great, great to talk. That was Ben Smith, director of the Quantitative and Symbolic Reasoning Center. Please stay tuned for future episodes. This is Life on the Hill. Thank you.